That was some storm. The TechBiter Worldwide podcast is generally recorded, edited, and produced on Friday evening, and that activity is followed by writing and scheduling the newsletter for distribution at 4 a.m. Eastern Time on Saturday. Normally, everything is complete and posted to the website by 8 p.m. at the latest. Last Friday's storms took out power for millions of people in several states. Power has been restored to most locations, but some people were without power for a full week, and an unfortunate few still haven't had power restored. Last week's site update and podcast were late, and now you know why. It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 304, July 8, 2012. This week, it's time to decide. Passwords you can leave in plain sight. And in short circuits, Microsoft announces Windows 8's upgrade price. Will you lose connectivity to the Internet to a well-known threat on Monday? European legislators, surprisingly, reject digital piracy measure. Goodbye, iGoogle. And a graphic for your, but not Microsoft's, amusement. You're thinking about buying something, so you visit stores, you go online, you ask friends, you research your options. There's no shortage of information out there these days. But before you make the final decision, you might want to check one additional online resource called Decide.com. It's a startup service that's designed to help consumers buy electronic devices and not suffer from post-purchase depression when they discover that the price has suddenly dropped. Of course, that's never happened to you, has it? (laughs) Never happened to me, either. Decide doesn't claim to be perfect, but it does say that its price predictions are right 77% of the time. And that when the predictions are accurate, users save about $87 per product on average. Beyond pricing, Decide's software examines a company's historical performance and predicts when new products might be in the offing. This could help you avoid buying a product that's instantly obsolete. Or if the older product suits your needs, it could help you to save money by waiting for the new product to be released because that usually means price reductions for older products. The company's price trend algorithms take billions of observed price movements and some 40 other factors into consideration to predict whether a device's price is likely to rise, fall, or remain constant in the near term. And a mobile application places this information in your hands when you're shopping in a store, not just when you're online. So let's say I'm planning to buy a digital SLR camera. I'm not but I know enough about the marketplace to be able to judge the guidance the Decide will give me, so that's what I selected. It appears that I can use the site without signing up, but the service is free, so I decided to go ahead and sign up. I can use my existing Facebook credentials or provide an email address and a password. I chose the latter because I really don't like sharing credentials across services. Then I had the option of entering a search term or selecting a category. I selected the category. From that point, I could change the category. Maybe I wanted camera lenses instead of cameras. I can examine the No Regrets list. 2,333 items are listed in the Buy category. 1,702 are shown as Wait. I can select a Type. 
the types of cameras available, point and shoot, SLR, ultra compact or mirrorless, I selected SLR. I can pick a resolution, less than 5 megapixels, 6 to 8, 8 to 12, 12 to 20, or more than 20 megapixels. 543 cameras are in the 12 to 20 megapixel range, so that's what I picked. Then I choose a price range, under $750, 750 to 950, 950 to 1500, or more than 1500. Let's see what's available in the suite area. That's the 950 to $1500 range. Lots of choices there. Then I could pick a brand, Nikon, Canon, Pentax, Sigma, and Sony. I decided to view all brands, even though I am partial to Nikon and Canon. The result was a list of 140 cameras. Some of the items are camera body only, and others include a kit lens. The sorting options are what you would probably expect them to be. Relevance, low price to high, high price to low, but there's one you might not expect. Recently released. And that's what I selected. The Pentax K116 looked interesting, so I selected it. This model has been out for four months, and the price has been somewhat volatile during the period. Decide's recommendation is to wait because the camera's price is likely to drop within two weeks, or at least remain steady. In any event, the price is unlikely to increase, so waiting two weeks for a $50 to $80 savings might be reasonable, unless I needed the camera right away, in which case I'd go ahead and get it. But let's say I'd been thinking about buying a Canon EOS 50D. That's a 15.1 megapixel camera, available for a little more than $1,400, body only. Decide notes that a newer model is available, and at a lower price. Ooh, let's check this out. Well, the 60D has newer electronics than the 50D, and slightly higher resolution. It's also priced lower by more than $500. Looks like a good deal. So what else can Decide tell me? Well, Decide says the prices are likely to hold steady. No new model is expected anytime soon based on Canon's historical performance. Okay, so I want to buy the camera. Well, I can find it online at lots of stores, and Decide shows me what I would expect to pay for the camera, taxes, and shipping at each store. I can click a link and go to any of the stores. Ah, this is clearly how the company hopes to monetize the service. But maybe I'd like to buy the camera in a store, locally. Okay, Decide shows me the stores that carry it, shows me a map of where they are, and even notes which stores have it in stock. Decide also provides consumer written reviews and technical specifications for each device. The bottom line, five cats for Decide. Decide.com is helpful when you really need to make up your mind. No service is perfect, but I found Decide.com's advice for the camera model I investigated to be spot on. Calling out the lower-priced new model with better specifications was a plus. This is a pretty handy tool. It's one that you might want to keep available when you're in the market for certain electronic devices. For more information, visit the Decide.com website. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Passwords need to be easy to remember. So the passwords many people create are common dictionary words like kitten, or patterns like ABC123, or even the word password. 
While this might be all right for some sites, newspapers, for example, they are a recipe for disaster when used with bank accounts and such. But when passwords are more complex, for example, pound sign at 7yuw-zcx8y, well, those are impossible to remember, and people write them down or store them in plain text files on a computer. This is also a recipe for disaster. So what do you do? Well, you probably already know about online services such as LastPass because I've described how they make it possible to create extremely strong passwords, store them securely, and then automatically log you into many sites. But you still need to create a single strong password for use with LastPass. So how about a strong password you can remember? Even better, what if you could create a strong password that you could leave in a note that's stuck to your computer screen for everybody to see? I do this at the office, where we are required to change our passwords every 45 days, and the passwords have to be pretty complex. They can't be repeated within a year. They must have uppercase letters, lowercase letters, numbers, and symbols. We can't use a service such as LastPass, so the password has to be something I can remember, because if I get it wrong twice, I'm locked out. Or maybe it just has to be something I can write down, securely. The key is the code. And by code, I mean something you can write down and leave in plain sight. Something that will remind you what the password is, and something that will be meaningless to anybody other than you. So I have a hypothetical password in mind. Let's say you stopped by my desk and observed a note stuck to my monitor. The note said, WTVN 1965. You might even know that this is my password clue. Now, I have never used this password clue, and I never will. But if I did, how could you navigate from this note to learn my password? Chances are good you won't be able to do that because you have no clue about the length of my password or what part of my memory I'm trying to jog by using that hint. So, the actual password might be W at sign 42EGAY. That would be WTVN at 42 East Gay Street. That's where they were at the time. Or the password could be 42 at sign East Gay Street. Or it could be 16THFL at 42 East Gay, 16th floor at 42 East Gay. Again, the location of the radio station in 1965. Or it could be any other combination of letters and characters that indicate the address of the radio station back in 65. Or it might be Gene D'Angelo with an at sign for the A in his name. Uh, general manager's name in those days. Or it might be E. Carl! Exclamation point sabotage. That would be because I frequently sabotaged the opening music for E. Carl's morning program on sister station WBUK. Or it might be something only remotely associated with those days or the station. Maybe the make and model of the car I drove back then. Without knowing the key, it's unlikely you'll ever figure out the code. But the password is one I'll remember. Creating a safe, secure, and memorable password isn't difficult, and with a little additional thought, you can create a password that can safely be left in plain sight.
short circuits, Microsoft has announced the Windows 8 upgrade price, and this has to be the lowest cost upgrade Microsoft has ever released. $40. That's price good for any user of Windows 7, Vista, or even Windows XP. That's how serious Microsoft is about enticing customers to upgrade. Of course, if you purchase a Windows 7 PC between now and the time Windows 8 is released, your upgrade will be without any additional charge. The upgrade to Windows 7, for example, carried a $200 price tag. Now, there's a catch, of course. That price is good only if you upgrade online using Microsoft's web-based upgrade assistant. If you don't like that approach, you can still obtain a DVD, but it will be priced at $70. Still, not a bad price. Although you can upgrade from Windows 7, Vista, or XP to Windows 8, some of those upgrade paths will be easier than others. Windows 7 users will have a relatively simple, easy experience. All of your files, applications, and settings will remain intact. Probably. Vista users will retain their files and settings, but not their applications. And if you're a Windows XP user, well, you'll keep your personal files, and that's it. So here's some TechBiter advice. If you have a Windows XP or Vista computer, the hardware is old. And particularly with XP systems, you might encounter hardware incompatibilities. Upgrading one of these machines is unlikely to be a pleasant process, and I really can't recommend it. Just continue to use your XP or Vista computer until it's time to upgrade the thing. Then make the jump. The same advice might hold true for users of Windows 7, too. Unless you have a compelling reason to upgrade, waiting until you buy new hardware might be prudent. Now, the exception would be for those who buy new computers between now and the time Windows 8 ships, and those with relatively new systems. Microsoft hasn't yet announced the date that Windows 8 will be available, but it's expected sometime in the late third or early fourth quarter of 2012. The upgrade program will be available in 131 markets around the world. hearing about how hundreds of thousands of people are going to lose their internet connectivity on Monday. But how big a deal will this be, really? The FBI shut down a rogue operation last November, but allowed some of the operation's servers to continue running. On Monday, July 9th, they'll shut them off. If you haven't been paying attention, you might find yourself without an internet connection. The warnings have been posted previously here on TechBiter Worldwide, on just about every other tech site in the world, and on sites such as Google. Google even has technology in place that can display an alert in search results if the user's name server settings appear to have been altered. Still, hundreds of thousands of users are likely to be surprised on Monday. The malware called DNS Changer rerouted infected computers through servers controlled by Eastern European crooks. DNS Changer, as the name suggests, changed the computer's or router's DNS settings. DNS is short for Domain Name Service, and DNS servers or name servers are what convert a name such as TechBiter.com that is meaningless to computers into the internet equivalent of a street address. 
TechBiter's IP address is 67.222.41.89. By intercepting communications and rerouting them through their own computers, the crooks were able to perform a number of tricks that you wouldn't find enjoyable. To avoid a massive disruption back in November, the FBI allowed the defanged servers to continue running. Recently, Facebook joined the protective effort, so if you've used either Google or Facebook in recent weeks and you haven't seen warnings about DNS changer, your computer and router are probably safe. To test, you don't need to download anything. You don't need to scan your computer. All you need to do is visit a site that can quickly see whether your DNS settings are valid or not. That site is www.dns-ok.us, and it takes just a few seconds. You'll find a link to that on the TechBiter Worldwide website. So now would be a good time to check it out, just to be sure. And if, for some reason, you don't trust that link, well, check the other link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. It goes to the FBI. I think you can trust them. Surprise from European legislators this week when they rejected a digital piracy measure. Media companies have another high-profile failure. European legislators rejected an international treaty that would have provided stronger measures to combat digital piracy, and the vote wasn't even close. The European Parliament overwhelmingly rejected the Anti-Counterfeiting Trade Agreement, or ACTA, even though it had already been approved by the United States, Canada, Australia, Japan, and South Korea. Last year, the U.S. Congress dropped action on laws that had been proposed to protect movies and music from unauthorized copying. Following the recent defeat, movie studios, publishers, and recording companies said the opponents had twisted the intent of ACTA and claimed that the Parliament had caved in to pressure from lawbreakers. The vote was 32 in favor, 146 abstaining, and 478 members voting against the measure. Even though a few members of the European Union previously ratified the measure, it is dead without the Parliament's endorsement. Google has announced that it will retire its iGoogle service for desktops on November 1st, 2013. And the mobile version has even less time to live. It'll be suspended at the end of this month. According to Google, the service was started in 2005, a time before anyone could fully imagine the ways that today's web and mobile apps would put personalized real-time information at your fingertips. Google says there's simply no longer a need for a portal service such as iGoogle because of modern apps that run on platforms such as Chrome and Android. Personal data stored under Google products will continue to be available via those products. That includes data you may have stored in Gmail, Google Calendar, Google Finance, Google Docs or Google Drive, Google Bookmarks, and Google Tasks. You'll notice that some Google applications aren't in that list. Other gadgets, says Google, such as the to-do list, will allow you to export your data. The company notes that most iGoogle gadgets are created and maintained by third-party developers. If you'd like to export your data, you should contact the gadget creator directly. 
Those who use Google's browser, Chrome, will find tools and apps that provide many of the same functions in the Chrome Web Store. And users of Firefox and, to some extent, Explorer will find similar offerings in each of those companies' online stores. This week on the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll find a graphic for your enjoyment, but not necessarily for Microsoft's. MBA Online says that it is there to inspire, innovate, and broaden your business intelligence. Movers and shakers in the blogging world drop wisdom daily, they say. So we decided to organize their thoughts into courses, creating an experience you won't find in any textbook. This week, I heard from a member of the design team at MBA Online, and she suggested that I might be interested in a graphic they had created that, in her words, illustrates the 30 years of innovation at Microsoft and their failures along the way. Now, except for noting that most of the failures shown in the graphic are hardware device failures, and that Microsoft is primarily a software company, not hardware company, I provide the graphic on the TechBiter Worldwide website without much comment or interpretation. Well, except for this, Microsoft has announced that it will begin shipping tablet devices. But you already knew that. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.